Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer. And today on the podcast, our guest is California Lieutenant Governor Eleni Kunalakis, the second most powerful person in the nation's most populous state. And she's here to deliver in person who she is endorsing for president of the United States. She had been endorsing Kamala Harris, but then Harris dropped out of the race in December. So she was searching around for someone to back, and now she has found that person. I'll let the LG announce it for herself during our conversation we had at the Chronicle. Lieutenant Governor Eleni Kunalakis, welcome to It's All Political. Thanks so much, Joe. It's great to be here. You were doing something I've never seen before. You were personally (laughs) coming to the Chronicle to deliver your presidential endorsement. You were the second highest elected uh, official in California. You were supporting Kamala Harris. Correct. And now (laughs) you will be endorsing. I will. I am hereby endorsing Mayor Pete Buttigieg to be the next president of the United States. And why Mayor Pete? Well, let me tell you, I've been excited about this now for the last week. Um, You've had it under wraps. I have uh, just preparing and waiting um, uh, until the first two primaries were out of the way, um, because now California and Super Tuesday are very much in everyone's sights. Um, but I knew, I knew after he won in Iowa that he had deserved my support and my endorsement. Because, you know, Joe, I went to 58 counties during my campaign. I went people to people, person to person, talking to as many voters as I can. And I truly believe that if someone is able to win in Iowa, which is so much more than a two-dimensional representation of a, of a candidate, this is where people really get to meet the candidates, get to know the candidates, and meet their supporters and get to know their supporters. That if someone passes that test, they have what it takes, not just to win and become president of the United States, but uh, to lead this country into the future. And uh, as someone who, um, we'll talk about that in a second, but do you have any concerns about Mayor Pete? He's only been, like, he's been the mayor of a town that's Smaller than Antioch here in the Bay Area. So I think... What do you, what do you, aren't you concerned about he, no. could be the, he could be the commander-in-chief? Does he have commander-in-chief capabilities? Absolutely. I, what, what, I is, was, what shows you that? Well, let me just say that being the mayor of a town in the Midwest for seven years and being able to show growth and development and positive change in that town is not a small accomplishment. It is a big accomplishment. And as to the question of commander-in-chief, you know, I feel very strongly about this because I was a United States ambassador. I was a president's personal representative in a Central European country. I know what it takes to be president. I went to Afghanistan two times when I was overseas. Having experience as a veteran, having been deployed as he was as a Navy intelligence officer, and working shoulder to shoulder with military men and women from around the world who were part of that coalition, he knows, he knows and understands what American power is and what it needs to be again. What were you looking for in a candidate after uh, Kamala dropped out of the race? You know, I was looking for, like almost everyone else, Joe, I was looking for viability. And 
I, I didn't know where that was going to come from. And I think that's really why I became so excited after I saw what he accomplished in Iowa and now in New Hampshire, which is viability comes from one place, that people want to vote for you. And if in the first two contests, he walks away with more delegates than anyone else, that to me is the ultimate test of viability. Um, now, it gets harder, of course, when the states get bigger, and it's harder to be able to communicate directly with everybody. At that point, you have to be able to be on TV, be on radio, be on the internet. And so, of course, there are others with more money who are going to have that advantage. But I truly believe that what he has projected so far is going to be able to break through and break through here in California. And frankly, I felt it was my duty to stand up in California and help to send the message and project the capability and the accomplishments of Mayor Pete. Are you, as someone who is one statewide here, who's been to all 58 counties, Mayor Pete has, we're doing a story, uh, I'm doing a story for Tomorrow's Chronicle about what the ground game is for each of these candidates. Bloomberg, 300 people. 300 people in California. You probably yeah. didn't have that many on your staff. Oh, no. We had uh, Bernie as 90. Uh, Pete has 15. Can he do that here? I know he's, he's raised a lot of money here. He's raised about 12 million bucks out of California itself. Can you do that? Especially when you're competing in 13 other, 14 other states at the same day. Well, look, there's there's no question. We all know this, that there is a correlation between um, being able to get your message out and how much money you have. Right. But there's also the ability to get your message out through what's called, as you know, earned media. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing right here. And so my hope is that um, through the networks of support for Pete, through his endorsement at Equality California, through um, the media coverage of his really extraordinary success in Iowa and New Hampshire, that we will be able to get the message far and wide, that people will uh, will check him out, check out the website, um, you know, as they do their research on the presidential candidates, mm -hmm. and they will see the capability of this very special person. Now, LJ, you are one of the star alums of Emerge America. That's a, mm -hmm. an organization that raises uh, money and awareness for female candidates. Uh, you have yourself has raised money for female candidates and campaigned for them. You've championed them. Why not uh, back one of the women left in the race? So this, of course, has been something that I've struggled with. Mm -hmm. And my candidate from the beginning was Kamala. Mm -hmm. I believe in her leadership um, and, you know, I'm grateful that she is our senator. Uh, but I also, as I mentioned, viability is really the name of the game right now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know where I was going to end up. And then Pete emerged out of Iowa and New Hampshire with something that I believe is the gold standard, and that is the ability to convince people on the ground that you're the right one. That is not a small thing. And frankly, it motivated even more me even more to get out there because I think that his success was minimized mm -hmm. a little bit and marginalized. Um, so... I've taken it upon myself to get involved and spread the word and really hope that in this process in California, um, both the candidate himself and all of his incredible volunteer surrogates, myself included, will be able to help get the message out. Are you, uh, uh, 
few hours before we were recording this, Deval Patrick has exited the race. Uh, yesterday, Andrew Yang exited the race. Uh, Kamala exited the race. We are down to one person of color mm. in, in, in the Democratic field right now. Are you concerned about the ability of whoever, whomever the candidate uh, is, to, um, you know, raise support from communities of color? If there's, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, debates so white and, and, and concerns about an all-white field. What, it, what concerns do you have there? Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is something that has been, you know, upsetting to so many of us, watching the debate stage dwindle down and seeing the people of color, including Kamala, um, not be able to maintain the position on the debate stage. We have a lot of work to do in this country. There's no question about it. But I also think that anyone who comes from a marginalized community knows what it feels like to be discriminated against. Now, I think that the experience of the LGBT community is different from my experience as a woman, which is different than the experience of a person of color um, or people who are a combination of these things, which have it the hardest. But I actually believe that his journey as a member of the LGBT community um, should count for something more um, than a typical profile of a white male. Because uh, if you're from any marginalized community, you know what it's like. Are you concerned also with, uh, we now have, I guess we still have two billionaires in the race. Um, you, you took some heat for the amount of wealth you had sure. growing up. I think I gave you some of that heat too, yes. Maybe. <laughs> Um, but you also visited, you did the groundwork, you, you did that. What, what do you say to Democrats who are concerned about the billionaires in the race uh, and, and, and uh, you know, what effect that may have on, on our system and the way things are? Look, I think that Democrats are really in the trenches right now. We have to stand together and not waste time criticizing one another. We should like I am, like others are, roll up our sleeves and do everything we can for the candidate who we believe has the best chance of beating Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. That is the, the whole ball game. And so my view is to focus on the person I'm for and not take down other people who are in this race on the Democratic side and hope um, that we will be able to do what even Bernie Sanders called for last mm -hmm. night, which is that once we do have a nominee, we all come together to beat Donald Trump. Are you concerned that a Sanders, if he were nominated, would be too far left to beat Trump? Again, I, you know, I'm not here to disparage anybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a broad field with a lot of differences among them. And so it's up to us as Democrats to support and have positive things to say about the people we support, but not to disparage the others and to fight like heck for our candidates and then get to the point where we have a nominee and then come together to beat Donald Trump. One last question. You, as we said, are the second highest ranking person in the most populous state, but the highest ranking person has yet to pick a, a new horse since Kamala Harris left the race. Have you gotten on the phone and said, hey, Gavin, come on, 
come on, join Team Pete. He said nice <laughs> things about Buttigieg. Are you, are you working? Are you working the governor on this? Dude? Well, Joe, you said it, not me. The governor has said nice things about Pete Buttigieg, yes. and that makes me very happy. And I hope other people have heard those things do, too. Do you think he's gonna he's gonna endorse, or he's gonna, he's I, gonna wuss out I and not think, endorse? Oh, I wouldn't say that about the governor. He doesn't <laughs> do that about that. anything. He's <laughs> look. I have great admiration for him, and I'm really pleased that he has said positive things about Mayor Pete. Um, and I think that um, you know we'll see what he does, but uh, you know I, I'm. Feel very lucky to work with the governor, and uh, and we'll see what he does in this. Okay, I, I will say yeah. this: I'm sure that, like all the other leaders in this state and in the country, that when we have a nominee, we are all going to work very, very hard because uh, it is not an understatement to say um, that our country is hanging in the balance. Now, I think the most important election of our lifetime was 2016. Mm. And the outcome has been very damaging to our country and poses an enormous threat to future generations. If we cannot unseat this person who, who is not um, putting the, country, uh, the country's interests at the heart of his work, he puts his own selfish interests. And those are very often in conflict with the interests of our country. We have to change that. Mm -hmm. And what I see in Pete Buttigieg is someone who is young, who is smart, who is a veteran, who has served overseas representing our country, who has led a small but feisty city um, into uh, better things, and who can bring this country together uh, with the kind of temperament and positivity that America deserves. And you're going to be on the road for him the next couple of weeks? I'm, see you? I am you, on uh, call. You're on call, whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> We're having a rally. Uh, Friday afternoon in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to come out, hear Mayor Pete, and uh, I am sure that the people who come and hear him will be every bit as impressed as I have been. All right. Lieutenant Governor Eleni Konolakis, thank you so much for being on It's All Political. What a pleasure. A personal, a personal endorsement. This must be a, a California first. I'm thank very you. excited about this, Joe. Thanks for having me. All right. Me. Thank you. I'd like to thank you all for listening today. I'd like to thank Lieutenant Governor for coming in to the office today to talk about uh, politics in general and uh, Mayor Buttigieg. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. And remember, whether you deliver your endorsement in person or you just send it out in a press release like everybody else does, it's all political. It's All Political is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Our executive editor is Audrey Cooper. Our theme music, our wonderful theme music that I love, it gets me jazzed up, is Cattle Call, written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Croson. Support It's All Political and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership. It's very easy. You just go to sfchronicle.com slash pod.